many years ago, I am that generation that um, we would fix up our cars. The cars we just drove every day, you know, during the week to work and back, well, we would, we would add all these high-performance parts and beef them up a little bit. And then on the weekends, we would take them, my friends and I, to a place called Lakeland International Drag Strip. Some of you are familiar with that. It's in Memphis. And we would race the cars that we use for daily transportation. It's called bracket racing, and there's like three brackets. And depending on how fast you are and all that, you get up to a certain speed. And I wanted to be in that last, that fastest bracket. And uh, they would take white shoe polish, and they'd write on your windows whatever your time was, and what division you're in, and you would kind of forget to wash that off all week. You know, you'd leave it on, because you're you're sort of telling everybody, yeah, I just, yeah, racing with my car. Now, the thing is, that car's got to do dual service, and it was fine for every day. You know, I could drive to work and back, and it didn't really, um, you know, tear it up that much, or it wasn't that bad on it, because you kind of take it easy. But it was on the weekends that it had all these problems. Because what you want to do is go as fast as you can from point A to Z, you know, with, from a dead stop uh, all the way through. And it was just a lot of fun. And it was, it was a great way to spend all the extra money uh, that I ever had, uh, and, which is what I did. And I can, I can never forget my dad fussing at me going, I can't believe you're pouring all this money into this, that car and doing this. But we would go, and I'd go one week, and I tore the transmission completely out of it. It was a big block Chevrolet and had a Muncie four-speed. And I tore the transmission out because that was like the weakest point. So I re, you know, get that rebuilt and put it back in. Next week I go, tear the drive shaft out of it. So you have to go and get high-performance racing you know, U-joints and you build that up. And then you race it again the next week. And no kidding, I'm not making this up. Bent all the push rods in it so you had to get chrome molly push rods. Every week you tear up whatever was the weakest link. So it didn't make sense, you know, and you think, why would you do that? And then you've got to get a ride, you got to, you know, and I'd have to ride to work. My dad would drop me off, so I'd have to listen to his lecture every week about why my car is back, you know, getting fixed again, trying to get it ready for the next weekend, and I'm having to pay. He would charge me for gasoline, I mean, because, which was like, what, 50 cents a gallon? Uh, you'll never, some of you think, what? He, now he's making that up but some of you guys know I'm not. That's what would happen, because whatever was the weakest, it wouldn't show up in the day-to-day driving, but it would be revealed under the pressure, in the moment, when you're trying to go you know, a quarter of a mile, and, and you're trying to do it in 11 or 12 seconds, and the car can't hold up. So whatever is, wherever that most vulnerable place is, that's when it's going to be revealed. In the storm, you see what I just did? You see how I'm making the transition? That's called a segue. Okay, well, in the storm of that quarter mile, that racing, which is not that far, you know, it's, it's not a great distance, but it was intense enough that that's what would happen. Now, I have a neighbor, he's got a house, and it's a, nice, it's a beautiful home, it's a great place, but he has all these issues and all these problems all the time with it. And he thought, I've got to figure out what the trouble is. So he asked this builder uh, to come over who's used to East Tennessee building. You know, there's no flat ground and everything's, you know, we were amazed when we first moved here and we'd see a lot and we'd think, well, you can't build a house on that. Look at it. It's on a hill. It's a cliff where we're from. And, and, but people say, oh, yeah, we can build a house right there. And, and we, you, you see, you know, some of you live in houses that are on the side of a mountain or something. And, 
And, you know, my neighbor had all these problems. This guy comes in, no kidding. I don't think he was there four minutes. I timed it. But it was, he walks through the house from the front door to the back door. And he gets to the back and he goes, all right, here's the problem. You got structural issues. You got, you got structural trouble here. And your foundation's bad. How do you know that? You, you've been here, you just got out of your truck. He goes, well, let me show you. See that door frame right above that? You see that crack in the paint? Now, come here, watch. And he tried to lift a window, and he goes, see, this window's stuck. It doesn't want to come up. And he pointed at a couple of other things like that, and he said, your structure's off, and your house is doing this. Just in that length of time. Isn't that amazing how people who are familiar with something can see the problem that some of us might not see. And the stress and, and the, 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 the cracks with that. Construction people can look at a house and they can say, I can tell you what's wrong with that. Business experts can do the same thing. They can spot trouble uh, when it comes just by looking at cash flow and payables and the receivables and sales trends. And they can tell you when you think, it looks good to me, I think everything's going to be great. They go, no, you know what, you're headed for trouble. Because they can spot those kind of things when it comes to premarital counseling. Sometimes pastors can do this. They can tell in the first 15, 20 minutes of a conversation with a couple, oh, this relationship's got a, built on a foundation or whether it's something less stable. Just like the shaky foundations of a house or the shaky foundations of a business or a car that's going to break apart under pressure, there are clues everywhere. Now we understand that, right? We get that in so many ways that success and stability depend on a good foundation. A foundation which an endeavor uh, is, is built on. And without that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. So today, let's think about, because we're going to wrap up this series that we've uh, been in the last several weeks called Storm Ready. And uh, what I want us to do is, is just step back and get a big picture of what is the foundation that we're building our lives on. And is it going to hold up on race day uh, when, when it settles and when, when things start to... Uh, to break apart and get straight. When you hit a storm, when the weather's really bad, how, how well is your life going to hold up? Now, at our house, we had the same problem, but it's built a little differently. Uh, but when we started doing some work in the backyard, uh, we ran into these issues, and we thought, well, what's the problem? So we began to dig down uh, right in our backyard, which for years we you know, didn't see any problem. But what we found was this, two things. One... As we got down, we found all the old trees that they had cleared to build our house. Guess where they were? In our backyard. They just buried them. Now, I don't know. Maybe you're builders and you go, that's common. That's not a big deal. But we thought it just, it just felt kind of shady. But there, there they were. And it was like dinosaur bones or something. They were all perfectly preserved. They'd been down there 17 years, but it looks like they were just put down there. I guess because of the... The soil that we have here, you know, has so much clay in it and everything. Uh, so, so he said, well, here's your problem, you know, that, that a lot of this 
is still settling, and he said, probably will continue to settle over the next hundred years. <laughs> well, great, that's, that's good news for my great-great-grandchildren, uh, that everything's going to be good by the time they inherit this house. You know? So, so th- there, there we are. And not only that, but because it has these gaps in it, we've hit the water table. So every time it rains really hard to this day, we haven't fixed it, uh, the water comes up, you know, it, it just rains really hard and it comes down and that comes down and the water comes up and it, 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 so it goes into our basement, which just seems to be uh, just a real handy place for water to go. So we, we've never been able to do anything with the basement except soak all the stuff uh, that, that's in there. Because, you know, it's not storm ready. A little rain's okay. A pretty day like this, it's fine. It's only in the storms that that problem is exposed. So sometimes God's going to let storms come into your life. All these events, and not necessarily negative. Sometimes it could be a good thing that happens. Sometimes and oftentimes it's going to be a scare. It's going to be a crisis. And what it's going to do, the, the upside, the positive thing it's going to do, is that it's going to reveal these flaws and these cracks and this sandiness in your foundation, in your character, and in your life. And because an ordinary day, you're just breezing through and things are going well for you, you're probably not going to see it. So I think God allows that sometimes uh, and, and lets our hearts get, get broken and, because he develops us, and it's through that. And folks, I have lived 40 years now, <laughs> and I can't remember exactly, it's a little more than that, but it, the thing is there's no shortcuts. I can't just read in a book or go to a conference and go, okay, I get that, you know, so I don't think I have to actually experience it myself. And a lot of times God's, you know, I'm sorry, but yeah, we're going to have to take you through this because there's no other way. There's no other way you're going to get it. That's what storms are about. Now, these guys um, were very similar uh, in a lot of ways, but except for this. The wise man built his house on a rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And you remember the scripture, or at least the song from Vacation Bible School, the rains came down and the floods came up. I hope that's in your mind the rest, until, until like through lunch you're thinking, oh, now I'm still singing that. The rains came down and the floods came up, and one house stood firm and the other collapsed. In fact, the word for collapse means exactly that. It means go down all of a sudden. It just falls. It crashes. And that's what happened. So what's the difference between uh, these two? Well, it wasn't the house. Apparently, they built pretty much the same house. You know, it wasn't wasn't about that. And it wasn't the storm. Uh, It wasn't that one man went through kind of a gentle spring shower and the other guy got hit by a monsoon. No, you think that, you kind of picture in your imagination their houses are right in there together and they got hit by the same storm. They both experienced the same thing with basically the same house. So what was different? The difference was the foundation that the men built on. One built on a rock and one built on sand. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, in that area of the world, oftentimes this sand gets a real hard, crusty appearance, and it can be pretty, you know, compact. So it looks like rock, but it's not. 
And the only way you would be, that would be, ever be revealed would be when you get a real hard rain and it gets really wet, it begins to erode very quickly. So there's the difference. It's not about appearances. Now this parable is, it, you know, it's obviously about our lives. Jesus is talking about the foundation that we build ourselves on. It's either rock or it's sand. And what it comes down to, Jesus says, really at the end of the day, is obedience. Matthew seven twenty four says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. He uses this word wise, and it's a very specific word. It doesn't just mean information. It doesn't just mean intellectual knowledge about something. It means this. It means what you already know, the information that you have in your mind and in your heart, and then how you plug that into your day-by-day living. That's what wisdom is. It's not just learning more and more and more about the Bible or about this, uh, but as you do that, you do have a, a greater resource to draw from. But it says, as you take in this information, and you don't let it just kind of get locked away or compartmentalized, but as you apply it, that's wisdom. That's what wisdom is. So he said, you become, Jesus said, when I do that, he said, I compare you to a wise guy. He said, you're, you're, you're not just smart about it, but you're wise. So that's what obedience does. Obedience is the display of that. It's for, and for most people, obedience is kind of an intimidating word. You know, do you feel like, oh, man, that just, it just has that, that ambiance. It's a French word. Uh, of legalism or, oh, this is going to be hard. It's not about that at all because you're in Christ and he gives you this ability. It's already pre-wired. It's built into you to be able to obey. It's not something beyond your scope or your, you know, your competency. So he says, I've already put this in you, uh, but we're more convinced of our ability to fail in this area than we uh, are convinced of our ability to succeed in this area. You ever had an area of your life that's just hard for you, and you think, I can't do it. I just... I, I can't do, I'm, I've never been very good. And the enemy continues to reaffirm that again and again and again so that you get to the place where you think, that's just, you know, I can't, I can't help it. That's just, I'm just not real good at that. Or that's a hard area. That's weakness for me. And, and we just become convinced, well, there's nothing I can really do about that or probably not going to make, you know, a, a lot of change or a lot of difference. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. But I want you to think about this for a minute because I've thought about this. When there is a lack of consistent obedience, more than anything else I can think of in our lives, we get wobbly, we get shaky, and we collapse. And I know we've got all these reasons and all these things going on, and I, and I absolutely sympathize because some of those are totally legit. I mean, they're... The real things that you're facing, and maybe you've been victimized in some ways. I really believe that's true. However, I don't think we can let ourselves off the hook that easily. I honestly believe that it's our decisions and our choices that get us to where we are. And probably, you're going to think, this isn't fair, and I'm going to send him an email. 
Well, that's okay, but I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to launch out there and say generally, 78% of your problems, you had something to do with it. You, had, you, had, you caused some, some, some of that. Maybe not, and I know that probably just made you feel defensive, but that's okay, it's going to get even better as we, as we go along. Uh, because when it comes to building a stable life, it's what's under your feet that matters more than what's coming down on you. Now, we've all known people who fall in one category or another. I have known people who have built their life on this solid foundation of obedience. And it just seems to come, I mean, they just do everything, the right thing, you know, and they apply good financial principles and, and marriage principles and relationship and their work ethic is, you know, and they just seem to hit these storms and then they go through it like a boss. You know, they're just like, hey, I'm ready for this. I've been obedient, and I'm, I've got to, I understand kind of how this works. And they just they get through it. But then there are folks on the other end of the, you know, this spectrum. I'm trying not to use that word, but that's all I can think of. Uh, this, you know, and they, are you, you may be one of these people, but you probably at least know somebody like this. They can't make a good decision. You know, if they pick this, you know, and I'm going to go this way because it's just, and they just make one bad decision, one poor choice after another, and you just know it's just drama, 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 you know, and you think, yeah, that's kind of me. I'm sort of like that. I don't know what's going on, but it just seems like nothing ever works out, you know, and, and well, have you been obedient? Well, no, not really. In fact, I've disobeyed everything. <laughs> I hadn't applied any of that. I don't believe in that. I go, how's that working for you? You know, I, I was listening to a, um, a, an audible series once, and Larry King was one of the speakers. And I'm not a, he's, he's a, probably a really nice guy. He's really smart and very, very quick. But he was giving advice to someone about relationships. And some of you already know where I'm going with that. He's been married, I believe, eight years times okay i'm just saying maybe he's not the guy you want to talk to you know but maybe that would he's just you think wow you're i think there's something in common with all these marriages and it's you you know it's okay so but most of us aren't like that we don't live at the extremes right and you're thinking well i'm not i don't get it right every time like that guy and I'm not like her where I just, you know, I just, every time, you know, it's just, I'm just going to be disobedient. Those are extremes, and I've observed that in some people's lives, but most of us are not all the way to the left or to the right. Most of us find ourselves in the middle with a tendency to kind of lean one way or the other. You're not a bad person. You just kind of mess up sometimes. Or you're not a good person, you know, but every now and then you do something right. Uh, most of us are kind of in there, and, and it's, it's that place that we, that we got in trouble. I've known people who are really, really responsible financially. You know, never bounced a check, never missed a pay payment, got an excellent credit rating, but they're really terrible at relationships. You know, the, the relationships are just a mess. And that part of their life is what's built on sand. 
I've known people who take care of their health, you know, and they, they do everything kind of right, but their work ethic is just not up to par. And it creates problems for them because that part of their life is built on sand. I could go on and on giving you examples of that. And I'm hearing something. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm so ADD. You know, I'm just like, excuse me, just a minute. We'll get back. But I hear something. Uh, that, that, you know, those, those are the kind of people that most of us are, right? Most of us are kind of like that. Um, God has spoken to us about, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I've lived this long, and I can't think of an area. I haven't hit one yet that he doesn't speak to, that he didn't address it with a principle. Whether it's finances, relationships, health, emotions, our words, the way we respond when we've been mistreated or abused, the way we respond to other people in need, how we act in a crisis, the way that we do our job or business, even the way that we think. I mean, I could just go on. God has told us in his word, here are some things that are going to make for a solid life. The problem is, we tend to pick and choose, right? Sort of like a buffet-style obedience. What we're, this is what I'm willing to do, and this is, not, this is what I'm not willing to do. So God, all the things that you've placed in my life, I'm going to do 70% of that, and that's, that's a lot. I'm pretty obedient. I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm a pretty good person, so I think everything's going to work out well. And then it doesn't, and you wonder why. It's because that other 30%, that other 20%, that's what's messing you up. That's what's causing you to collapse. We've all got these pockets of sand in our foundation where we're resistant and we're not putting into practice the words of Jesus, you probably already know it, right? Has somebody ever told you, here's what you need to do, and you go, yeah, I know that. Or you ever told somebody, this is so obvious, I, I don't know why you're missing this, you need to do this, or you need to stop doing that. And they go, yeah, I know. <laughs> and you think, it's not that we don't know it, it's that we're not applying it, we don't put it into practice. There's these little sand traps uh, in our lives. You may say... God, I'm going to volunteer for a ministry. I'm going to join a community group. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to talk to you or talk to my friends about you. I'm going to, I'm going to have these spiritual conversations with people. But, and maybe you don't say it this blatantly, but you may say, but you know what? My money, that's my money. And I work really hard for it. And I'm going to do all this other that you asked me to do, but I'm not going to be obedient in this area. I'm not going to share it with others. I'm not going to invest it. I'm just going to spend it on myself. I'm not going to give. And then these other problems come. You think, why is this not working out for me? Because you know what that is? It's a sand trap. There's a lot of areas in our lives that that's what happens. Now, we have these areas of our life that are strong. There's things you could point to and say, I'm pretty good at that, or I think I got that. Uh, but we have these areas of our life that are pretty shaky. Two. So here's the problem. Sand, uh, and this is just a great metaphor, such a, a great word picture that Jesus used because we've all been there, right? We've all been to the beach, and you know how sand is just, isn't it just relentless? 
I mean, weeks after your vacation, it's still in your luggage and your clothes and your shoes, and you think, this stuff is incredible. We didn't even take this out to the beach. This stayed you know, in, the, in the room, in the condo the whole time. And look at this, it's everywhere. Uh, that's what sand does. That's sand's job. It's destructive. And, you know, it's, it's ero- it has this erosive quality about it that just eats away at the foundation of your life. And it's going to cause you to collapse. And that little thing you think, eh, it's just this one area. That's what's going to be the problem. Because that's the way sand is. Uh, it has this capacity to cause things uh, to fall. Because, and think this through with me, that's where the enemy's going to attack. I mean, he, that's where the storm is going to hit. If you're rock solid financially, but your marriage is hanging by a thread, guess where the enemy's going to attack you? your most vulnerable place. If you're faithful and you're here to worship and maybe you're involved in service, but you don't make an effort to, you know, to manage your emotions or to control your words, guess which area Satan plans to target? And that just makes sense. We saw a game last night where right in the middle of it, did you get a little anxious? When they started figuring out some things and they started, you know, uh, going to this go-to and they think, uh-oh, They've kind of got a little groove here, and we've got to change it up at the half. We've got to come out and do something a little different because this isn't that gap that we expected because they look for vulnerabilities. Oklahoma's going to come. They're going to look for... I won't start on this, but they're going to look for vulnerabilities. That's how you win games, right? See, why is it that we get this in every other area of our life, but spiritually we think, I think I can compromise and it's going to work out okay. No, you don't compromise. Okay, I think you got, the, you got the idea because that's where the storm's going to hit you the hardest, in those sandy areas of your life. And you need to remember that when it comes to obedience, 70%'s not going to get it. 80%, it just simply is not going to work over the long term. It's just, it's just not. That's why, and I know this is going to sound really radical for some of you, Christ calls us to complete surrender to complete obedience. Even to the point where he says, the only way this is going to work is if you just die. Just stop it. Just stop trying to be religious. Stop trying to get it right. Stop trying to live all of that. He goes, you know what? You're just not going to get... You just need to get out of the way and let me live in and through you with complete obedience. Wow, Lord, that's really taking it all the way. Yeah, but it works. He said, because I created you and I designed you and I know how you're going to be happy and I know how you're going to be successful. I know how you're going to weather storms because I built you and I know you and this is going to bring more joy than all that other things, you know, all those other things that you've tried. Now, I want to make it clear, this isn't about God you know, knocking you down every time you slip up, that he's just waiting. I used to have that image of God where he's just waiting for me to mess up. Uh, my name is from the Hebrew, Daniel, which means God is my judge. And so I used to live with this idea of God's waiting. And he goes, uh-uh-uh, now nah, I got ya. you. Know, and that's not his personality. That's not what, that's not, it, it, it's not about that. Most of the time, the storm is simply the result 
of your behavior. It's just the outcome. My mom was a smoker. My dad was a smoker. All, most of my relatives smoked. Um, and when my mom was in the hospital for the last time, and we knew that she was going to die if something didn't happen. So I went to her doctor, and I said, you know, my mom doesn't make a lot of good health choices. I'm not going to be able to convince her to change a lot of different things. She's just not. I just know her. You know, God bless her. I loved her. And I said, you know what? Uh, she's just not going to. I said, if I can just do, I can probably talk her into something. <laughs> one thing. I can say, Mom, will you do this for me? She might do one thing. He said, there's one thing that would equal everything else. You can get her to stop smoking. He said, that one thing by itself is equal to all of that and more. I never could get her to do it. And if you're, a, and I'm not, I think today I'm just going to preach on smoking. <laughs> no, and I know that's kind of a fading habit. So I'm, I'm just using it as an illustration that if you're like a three-pack-a-day smoker, there is a 100% chance uh, that you're going to face some health issues. You're probably going to have some serious health use, may, maybe even lung cancer, and it's going to be because of that. Now, when you go to the doctor for a checkup and he says, look, I'm going to give it to you straight. These cigarettes are going to cause more and more damage and more and more problems for you if you don't give them up. And your response could be, Doc, that is the most intolerant medical opinion I've ever heard in my life. How can you be so narrow-minded? Or your response could be, look, Doc, I eat nothing but steamed vegetables and fresh fruits and lean meats and whole grains. I eat less than Kevin Atkins. I mean, I am so careful. And I work out, I walk every day, and I take a vitamin supplement. Don't talk to me about this one area of my life. Are you serious? This one thing, really? I mean, neither one of those responses would make sense, would it? And later, when the worst comes to pass, then you don't have the right to say, yeah, my doctor gave me lung cancer because I wouldn't follow his rules. He didn't give you lung cancer. He saw it coming. Now, sometimes we blame God and we say, well, this is happening. God just let this happen in my life and I don't understand. No, you did that. You know, I mean, it just, it's the natural result. And that's not how God relates to us. When we live according to the precepts, when we live according to the principles, whatever principles those are, we're going to get the result from that. Good or bad, positive, negative. When you defy the principles and the precepts, you're going to get the opposite result. Disobedience brings about its own punishment. You don't have to over-spiritualize that. It's, it's just going to work that way. If you eat, and trust me, I did an experiment and I've tried this. If you eat pizza and ice cream and donuts every day, good things aren't going to happen. <laughs> uh, and, but God's not punishing you with clogged arteries. No, the pizza and the ice cream and the donuts are doing that. You're just defying principles of good health. It's just going to bring about its own result. That's just it. It's not, you know, I hope you get that. So when Jesus says, 
when a man builds his house on the sand and the rain comes and it crashes to the ground, this isn't the result of some divine punishment that God has done to you. No, you did that to you. The storm is just this moment, this opportunity. Now, I'm being real in your face today, but here's a couple of inconvenient truths that we've got to come to grips with. Uh, and the first truth is this. You can't blame everything on the storm. And this is my go-to. <laughs> oh, I can't believe this car broke down or this or I got, you know. We, we, we blame everything. If these, these financial problems I'm having, it's the economy. That Obama. <laughs> it's, you know. Uh, or we just... No, you know, it probably has nothing to do with the fact that for years you've been spending 110% of what you earn <laughs> and you haven't been saving anything and now you're up to your neck in debt. No, it's the economy. No, it's not. You know, or we say, my health problems have nothing to do with the fact that I eat 8,000 calories a day. It's just this kind of thing. It runs in my family. It runs in my family and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just hit me. I have an aunt who... God bless her, I loved her, you know, but she, she's gone on to glory now. She was a, just a, a pretty good-sized woman. And, uh, and we were at a family reunion once, and she turned to me, and she goes, well, I'm just big-boned. <laughs> I just love that one. I thought, well, <laughs> okay, um, let's stop about that. The, the, the point is this. We blame our problems on the storm. That's not such a valid excuse. Because we all face storms. We all face storms. All of, and to say if it wasn't for the storm, it wouldn't be difficult. That's like saying, you know, I was up on the roof and I fell off. That gravity, it's after me. <laughs> now, gravity works for all of us, right? And it doesn't work more for me than you. I mean, it just, except playing basketball, it works against me for some reason more than other people. But you get what I'm saying. You're not terminally unique. You're special, but not that special, okay? So I'm just trying to push you a little bit to, to not let yourself just think, oh, I'm just a victim, so you know what? No, you can't live your life like that. Gravity's just gravity. Storms are just storms. Now, the second truth is this, and this is going to be difficult for some of us to accept, is that each of us must be willing to take ownership of the decisions that you make that have brought you up to this point. Wherever you are, and probably some good, some not so good, some smart, some not so smart, some wise, some foolish, and you're at this place in your life. But if you're still taking refuge in the idea that, well, it's not my fault, well, we're just too old for that now. You, I mean, that, that's just thin. It may have worked when you were six or seven or eight and you dropped something. And, it's not my fault. I don't know. Okay, I mean, I'll give you a break sometimes, but it's probably, if you're looking for that reason where you get to slip away from responsibility, it's just not there. So your life's... I'm, just, I'm telling you this as a friend and as a pastor and somebody that loves you, and as somebody that's messed up as much or more than anybody else in this room, but I can tell you this, it's never going to get any better. 
It's not going to change because it comes down to this question. How much are you willing to obey? We all have these little places, these traps that make us vulnerable to the storms. Now, I got some good news. You can change the foundation that your life is built on. You can change that. When you build a house in real life, you're pretty much stuck with the land you built it on. Remember my neighbor in the opening illustration? You know, I said, oh, he's, he's on this bad foundation. He didn't say, well, looks like I'm going to have to buy another plot of land and pick up my house and move it. He's not, no, it, it, the house, it's, it is where it is. So he, he can't change that. Uh, bad land is just bad land. You see those movies where people are walking in sand and they step in quicksand? You know, and they start going down, and it's always dramatic, and there's usually a dog or a, a vine or something that just happens to be close by that pulls them out and saves them at the very last minute. Or if they're the bad guy, it doesn't, and they just go under. You know, some of us, we kind of feel like, well, I just stepped in the wrong place, you know, and now I, it's just that way. It's just that way. You can't fix it with extra dirt and concrete. However... And this is beautiful, and I love this, and I've experienced this in your spiritual life. You can change the foundation that your life is built on. You can change that. You don't have to live this way. And how do you do that? So simple. Just put into practice the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. He said, I look at you, and you're like a wise person person. You're building your life on a rock. Now here is the end of this. The result, the response from the people who heard Jesus, I, just, I haven't read this yet, the whole series, but I want you to listen to this at the end of this little section. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. They were amazed. They were astounded. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like their scribes. And this, this verb where it says they were amazed, it's not, you would think it's in the arrowist tense, which means at that moment that he told that little story, they went, oh, whoa, what a story. That's just amazing. And then they just go on. No, it's written in imperfect tense, which points to this idea that it's this action that kept happening. Jesus didn't teach something, they go, wow, that was really cool, and they just go on. No, it said, like, day after day, time and again, every time Jesus got up, every time he spoke, they went, oh my goodness, you're just blowing us away. This is all new information. And do you know who the listeners were? They were the most consistent religious people in the community. They were the folks in town, they were the church people, they, they were the people who knew all of this, but Jesus was teaching them the way to get it out of your head and into your life. He said, it's when you put it into practice and you live it, things begin to happen and success and, and you begin to look around and you begin to feel this contentment and this peace and the storms come and you look back and you think, I don't know how in the world I got through that storm. There was a time when that would have just crushed me. But somehow I, I did that because of these teachings of Jesus. That's what they began to understand. So here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want you to know. With every act of obedience, 
that you take, you turn the sand beneath your feet into solid rock. With every act of obedience you, you make, you turn the sand beneath your feet into solid rock. Every time you choose to say, you know what, this time, what have I got to lose? I'm going to try it God's way. <laughs> I always do it my way. It never seems to work out so good. So I'm just going to take the path of obedience. It's I'm just going to obey. And every time you do, watch what happens. Now, I mentioned money a little while ago because to my mind, it makes sense that if I make $100, I keep $100, and I've got more money than if I make $100 and I give away 10 Now I've only got 90 I'm not going to have as much. God said, I know the way you think, it just doesn't make sense. Will you obey and do it my way and watch what happens? And I can't explain it. All I know is that for years and years, this has worked for us. We are more blessed at the end of the month because we give our money away. Try it. Try it for 90 days and see if I'm right. See if he's right. Because there's wisdom in the application of a truth. You see, the enemy will keep you afraid. He will keep you at a place where you think, nah, I'm not going to do that in my relationship. I'm not going to give forgiveness. I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to do... And God says, I know, I know, but just do it and watch what happens next. So here's our challenge. We need to step back and ask ourselves, take a good hard look at your life and be honest, okay? Don't play games or kid yourself and just look at the rocky places, but look at the sandy spots and ask the Holy Spirit. In fact, invite the Holy Spirit. Don't just be available, but really say, I need you to take a look. And would you show me where the sand is? Would you show me and teach me about these vulnerable areas of my life and show me where I'm building on weak places? Whatever you're dealing with, there are biblical principles about it. Marriage and family and work and your thought life and your habits and friendships and health and uh, finances, I mean, everything. God will speak to you through his word if you seek his guidance in his word. And I'm going to suggest you do it every day. Um, and God's going to show you each sand pocket, and he's going to show you the steps you need to take to turn those into solid rock. It comes down to how much you're willing to hear the words of Jesus, and then how much you're willing to take those words and put them into practice. With every act of obedience, you turn the sand into solid rock. So here's the question I'm going to leave you with, and I want you to ask yourself, Today, maybe in this final moments of our time together, but this afternoon and tonight and this week, what's the first, most obvious area of sand in your life that you need to deal with? If you try to do a hundred things, you're going to get frustrated. You know, if you, but what's one, when you look at your life, and maybe the Holy Spirit's already illuminating that. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now and just... Allow the Holy Spirit to show you and to begin showing you and teaching you what is that area? Where do you get started? What's the first area you're going to tackle? Right now. God, would you bless us? Would you show us that area and lead us?
to a place of strength and blessing, a place of the rock. 